Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. Uh, you guys are in for a very special treat today. I've got one of the legends of copywriting um, uh, on, the, on the call today, and uh, uh, I'm sitting here thinking that that makes you sound kind of old, but that's far from the truth, Michelle. It really is. You know, you're just the sort somebody who's done a lot of awesome stuff, and I can't wait to hear more about it. So, thanks for coming on the call today, Michelle Fortin. That's that's a pleasure. It's kind of odd that you call me Michelle because a lot of my American clients will call me Michael, and it's kind of my yeah, name yeah. because. No, and when I say Michelle, for an American, they say, well, that's, that's a girl's name, like Michelle Obama, <laughs> right? So, I, uh, but it is Michelle. You, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was sort of waiting for you to actually mention it, like before we started uh, recording this call. I was like, Michael or is <laughs> No, that's Michelle? great. Oh, no, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of funny because uh, whenever I was introduced to my first client, my first American client, um, because most, most Canadians were, there's Anglo, Anglophone Canadians and there's Francophone Canadians. I'm Francophone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the most, yeah, and, but most Anglophone Canadians will know that Michelle, without the A, is, is male. Uh, but when I say that to an American, I think it was my very first client was from Chicago in early 90s. And he called, he's, when I said Michelle, he looked at me like, you're not a girl <laughs> so, so I, but but my my french all my french speaking parents nicknamed me michael and so i i'm i'm okay with the you know when you call me michael because it's a nickname as well so yeah yeah but thank you for having me on i appreciate this yeah yeah thank thank you for sharing some stuff because i know you've done some awesome stuff in in the past and uh, and you're um one of the legendary names that has been around especially in the early part of internet marketing because uh, uh, you mentioned starting out um, in the in the in the 90s or the early 90s or whatever. Yes. Uh, so the internet was really start, starting to, um, you know, it's a little uh, baby steps in that. And uh, I got online like long long after that. So um, uh, I'd never heard of copywriting <laughs> in the early 90s. So I'm really interested in how you got started um, sure. you know, in copywriting altogether and uh, and and the online factor as well. Sure. Well, so I started out as a salesperson. I was primarily in sales. And the reason why I went into sales was because early in my adulthood, I had this debilitating fear of rejection. Um, blame it on external factors. Of, uh, I had an abusive alcoholic father, whatever. That doesn't matter. The point, though, is that I really wanted to hit those fears head on. So I went into sales. And of course, I was an absolute failure. <laughs> I did not... I did not make any money. I hated knocking on doors. I hate cold calling. So obviously I failed. And so I discovered this thing called copywriting, which is I decided to write sales letters, send them to potential clients. And now I had, you know, maybe a small percentage of the clients call me up booking an appointment to, for a sales presentation. I no longer had the cold call. I no longer had this, the door slam in my face because when they called me, they already raising their hands asking for a presentation. Yeah, exactly. So I went from bankrupt salesperson, rank and file salesperson to, I was a top salesperson for eight months in a row at a uh, major company in Canada. 
And then, uh, so I progressed from that point on and I said, you know what, there's gotta be something to this copywriting thing. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so and it's kind of weird because nowadays I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and they, they call it now revenue departments. They no longer call it marketing or sales because they, yeah. they believe that both of them are, are together. Marketing yeah. and sales is both in the same. And now they read like a lot of the CMOs, chief marketing officers of companies mm. are now being renamed as CROs, chief revenue officer, because mm. it's sales and marketing together. Anyways, I digress. So what I did was uh, I decided to go into my own and decided to do copywriting as a full-time gig. And at, very, at first, I, I, I wasn't doing very well. I wasn't getting a lot of gigs because it was pretty hard. And I think one of the things that I did also when I first started, I had one client who was a doctor and uh, that kind of the light bulb went on in my head. And I said, you know what? I'm going to become a copywriter or not a copywriter. Back then I called myself a marketing consultant. <laughs> so, so I became a marketing consultant who specialized in doctors only and especially cosmetic surgeons, actually, especially hair transplant surgeons. We're, we're talking late eighties, early nineties here. So uh, I'm dating myself. <laughs> But um, so what happened was after that, I, uh, I, uh, I, I focused completely on doctors and called myself the success doctor because I helped doctors become successful. And that grew mm. from, that grew from uh, a, a small one person copywriter writing the occasional sales letter every quarter to becoming uh, my own agency with 22 junior copywriters and becoming the person that I you know, have become known today. Um, and, uh, uh, just a side note and I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, what people call me legendary, I hate the, that word and I, I I'm, I'm, I don't know why, maybe it's modesty. I don't know, but I, I think that <laughs> what pe why people call me legendary or put people call me a big name in copywriting is probably because of one thing, which was, I wrote the sales letter for John Reese in 19 and 2004 that produced $1 million in sales online. Mm. And that was through the power of copy, but also the power of various things, of course. Uh, one of them was video. Back then, video was unknown. In fact, YouTube came out in 2005. So that was a, and it was a long piece. It was like 75 pages when you printed it out. And uh, that made a million dollars in one day. And I became, become known as the Roger Bannister. There's a, there's yeah, a saying yeah. in the United States that the Roger Bannister was the, the first runner to break the four minute mile. Well, after I did that, Many copywriters did million dollar days over and over. Frank Kern, Ryan Dice, uh, and a whole bunch of them. Mike Phil same, and it became now commonplace. Uh, mm. But that, but because I was the first one, that's what made me become well known in this industry. Wow. But um, and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ironic that, uh, that that should be the one because uh, um, <clears throat> it was uh, you know back in the days when. Uh, John Reese had a Facebook. He um, was in some conversation thread or other. I don't remember, but he said, uh, uh, "You know, uh, this is advice to someone else." He said, "You should start a podcast. Call it Geniuses of Copywriting, and then all the all the best copywriters will want to be on there." There so you I go. Did that, and now here we are. <laughs> there you go. And and I I find myself um, uh, kind of blessed in a sense because what happened was. It, it created uh, the halo effect, right? And the halo effect is something that we, that we use in copywriting all the time. Mm. 
when I, when I, uh, I never really went to seminars. I'm, I'm an introvert. Again, I, I hated, you know, rejection. I hated going in crowds. Yeah. Um, and there was always these internet marketing seminars going on all the time back in the early 2000s. And people were talking about, who's this Michael Ford and this unknown copywriter guy? Like <laughs> at that time I was unknown. And when yeah. I did the, the traffic secrets letter, I became more well-known, but here's what happened. So I went to an internet marketing seminar and I think out of the 12 speakers on that weekend, eight of them I wrote copy for. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened was every speaker after one after the other, I think what the, the first one was Stephen Pierce. I did his yeah. uh, a sales letter for him and I was in the back of the room and I didn't, I did not want the limelight. Yeah. And what happened was he said, Oh, there's that guy. He's the guy who wrote the sales letter right there. <laughs> and I, that I had people, you know, I feel I felt bad because um, a lot of the attention kind of gotten on me, and I got people asking me. But he thought he was doing you a huge favor to get oh, you know, for your career. I yeah, I know. Uh, but but that's where I I, be I became really really busy to the point where I was doing a lot of uh, copy myself, but I also had a junior copywriters writing a lot of the first drafts or writing bullets mm. or writing. Yeah. Uh, parts of the of the copy and i would just put you know i would frankenstein them together and i would people call me they call it the fortnize process you know help, yeah. help me fortnize the sales letter so i would rewrite <laughs> it or edit it and i would fortnize it so yeah <laughs> <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah so um uh how, how how exactly did you um go through the process of fortnizing a sales letter i mean um <clears throat> you know we've all done that where we've uh sort of had people contribute to a project. Um, but the, the, the trick is to glue the pieces together in, in a way mm -hmm. that makes it flow and makes it makes you know, the client think um, whether you disclose this or not, whether they'll they think it just flows as if you sat down one day and wrote a 32 page sales letter. So um, what are some of the things that you do for that? And I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great question because um, when I used to teach, uh, one of the side projects that I had was teaching copywriting uh, at a local college. I taught marketing communications. There was no such thing as a uh, as a copywriting course, right? Um, yeah, so yeah. I I developed a formula. I love acronyms, and the reason why is because they're like they're like mnemonics. They help to remember formulas. Now yeah. I. Yeah. I hate to say that copywriting is is formulaic, but it is to a certain degree. And so I mm. created this formula and everybody at back then, you know, Ada, 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 attention, interest, you know, desire, action. Yeah, yeah. But what I did is from a sales letter standpoint, there are more important elements that are kind of my guideposts in describing the process that I take a person, a reader, through the steps until yeah. they take action. And I decided to call it quest. It's like you're going on a quest. When you're writing the sales letter, you as a writer are going on a quest, but you're also taking the reader on a quest, yeah. which stands for Q-U-E-S-T. Qualify, understand, educate, stimulate, and then transition. So qualify. The first thing that when they hit the sales letter, they, you have to make sure that you hit them over the head with the, the exact message that makes them understand this is for them. This is exactly for me. Uh, Dan Kennedy said it best. He says that there's empirical studies that show that the, the drop off on a sales letter will fall off dramatically after the headline, but that it won't drop off until the very end. 
for the rest. And the reason is, is because the people drop off at the beginning, well, either the headline was not good, but even with good headlines, it's because they're not qualified. So mm. the goal of a sales letter is to hit them right there with qualification, whether it's the headline, mostly it's the headline. Sometimes it could be a video. Sometimes it could be some graphic images. Sometimes it could be through some messaging process. Maybe sometimes it's even before they hit the sales letter through an affiliate uh, process or a funnel. Yeah, yeah. So qualify. Then the next time, the next step is understand. So now you've qualified the reader. Now you have to make them understand that you understand them, that you you're empathizing with them. I, I know you've got this problem, Mr. or Mrs. Smith. Um, you know, I've been in your shoes before, or I know people who have been in your shoes before. It's kind of aggravating when this problem happens, this thing happens, whatever the case is. So you basically make them understand that you get them, that you there's a connection there. I think the single greatest key in great copywriting is the greater the connection you have with your reader. Because it's not communicating to or even with your, your, your reader. It's connecting with them. If, they can, if you connect with them, you've got it made because the rest is kind of easy. So the next step is then uh, to uh, educate. So then you educate them about the solution to the problem that you understand. So qualify, educate, uh, understand. Now you educate. Educate them on the solution, which is basically all the possible solutions and particularly your solution. And then you describe the features. This is where I describe the product. You describe the features of the product. Then, of course, the next step is stimulate. Now we talk about benefits. Now we raise the level of interest in the, in the, in the, the offer that you're making. And now you're basically telling a story about the product and how it fits in their lives and how it's going to make their lives better. And maybe reducing risk. Maybe you talk about some of the uh, the risk, uh, the the guarantees that you offer. Maybe some of the testimonials that you that you uh, that you have in order to create social proof. And of course, at the end, transition. You, that's when you transition them from a reader to a buyer. You know, some people call it close. I use a T because it fits in with a Quest formula because yeah. it's kind of hard to say Quest. Oh, Quest <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it. No, exactly. But, but, but you transition. And I love that idea of transitioning because a lot of people think that when you close, it's closed, you're done. No, it's not. You transition them from one state to another state, from a browser to a buyer, from a prospect to a client who's bought your product. Because then after that, there's a lot of stuff that needs to go into the process. You have to get them to buy the product, finish the, 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 the product, and sometimes educate them on how to consume the product in order to make sure that you've got a better retention rate. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on and it depends on the market, it depends on the product, it also depends on the level uh the the value of the product. If you're, you know, it's different when you're selling a uh a $100,000 car as opposed to a $5 pen. So mm. But that's my formula. That's the Quest formula. And this is my guidepost and it's something that I teach my junior copywriters whenever I was uh, working in my agency, but at the same time it would be kind of the parts that I would be able to split out and then give to my copywriters and say, okay, you're, you're the educate. You're the guy who will write all the bullets about what's included in the product. Oh, you're the stimulate. You're going to be writing all the benefits. You create fascinations for me for the product. Great. Uh, you're, the, you're, you're the guy who's going to write all the testimonials or you're the guy who's going to put in an FAQ so that you remove any questions and objections in their mind and so on and so forth. Um, I like the beginning part. I love, I love, the, I love headlines. I love the intro. Yeah, lead. yeah. Uh, it's my favorite part because I love taking people through a story and, you know, what's the big idea? What's the big hook, as they say in copywriting? So, that's yeah. So they, there you go. That's my that's my main formula that I use. 
Yeah, that, that's that's very valuable stuff. So I appreciate that. You know, um, I can't wait to read back the transcript of of this because that's uh, uh, something I'm definitely going to start using in my own copy. And um, uh, <clears throat> is that like the the basic formula and structure you've used? Um, uh, like for an extended period or has that sort of morphed over time? Because obviously you developed that yourself. No, I, I, it's, it's kind of something that I've, I've always used, but I never put it into a concrete formula until later when I start teaching, because when I put it into a mnemonic, I was saying, you know, I do this. Oh, and I do this. Oh, and I also do this. Because for yeah. example, when you say attention, well, when you grab somebody's attention and then you, then you, the next step, which is interest. Well, if they're not if they're not qualified, you grab their attention. They're going to either fall away or they're going to get to the interested part, but they're not going to feel like it's for them. So they mm. might you might drop off at some point in that, in that particular formula. Now, it works really well in advertising, but in copywriting, especially for sales letters, uh, Quest is not, I felt it was better because for me you need to qualify. Now, granted, Q U E S T is not a predefined number of paragraphs. That's not a predefined even portion of your letter. It mm. may not even be in that order. Um, so sometimes you might want to uh, to do some parts a little bit later on, or sometimes you want to break out parts, you know, into the sales letter. You might have a little bit of the stimulate here, and a little bit of the stimulate there, and then whatever. My point saying that is. It's not, it's formulaic, but there's flexibility there. It's just guideposts. It's just there to help you. It's to guide yeah. you. When I, when I get a sales letter written for, for me, uh, uh, for, uh, from a uh, junior copywriter, I look at it and I say, okay, is it, is it it's qualifying? Yes, it does. Okay. Do, does he understand my problem? Does he know that I have this particular problem? And not only that, is the copy written in such a way where they understand how important this problem is to me? And I think the very, the most famous quote in marketing I've ever heard was never fall in love with the product, always fall in love with the problem. Yeah. And it's true because sometimes we don't really express that so much. It's it, people think that, oh, I have a best product for you. It has all these wonderful benefits. It's going to make your life a lot better. Yeah. But from what, what's the baseline? Yeah. Do you understand my problem first of all, or yeah, be nice. But if you express my problem, the more I want the benefits, because now I know that you understand where I'm coming mm. from. Mm. Um, and so on and so on and so forth. So those are the items that I look for in a sales letter. And as long as those items are there, I know I have a winner, at least something that I can start testing with. Yeah, because uh, um, uh, one thing that uh, that I struggled with when I first started was, you know, all the gurus and the experts said, you know, copywriting was uh, down to formulas and they gave all the formulas and that they were using and, and uh, um, Ada was one of them. And, you know, I tried to bolt each part into that exact location and it was totally inflexible and, and just didn't work at all. So it, it was only when I learned how to sort of be flexible and, and move parts around to where they are best required. And that's, that's, different, that's different for every marketing piece. Yeah, it is. And it also different, it's different also um, depending on the stage of awareness of your market. Yeah, um, that too. Eugene Schwartz wrote um, stages of awareness in his book, The Breakthrough Advertising. And I kind of modified it to fit more about the stage of awareness or how sophisticated the market is, but not, not about the product, but about the problem. Because I, again, love the, I love having more of a focus on the problem than the product itself. And the way I put it in, into another uh, formula, I call it the oath 
formula. So it's like uh, saying, how prepared is your market to take an oath? And so it means O-A-T-H. Are they oblivious about the problem? Are they uh, apathetic about the problem? Meaning they know, they know about it. They're not oblivious, but they don't care. Yeah. Are, are they thinking about the problem? Are they thinking that, oh, maybe I need to fix this? And then are they hurting? Meaning they know mm. about the problem and they need to fix it. They want to fix it now. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be great if all of our target market would fall into the H, right? But I have the, most of my clients I, I've, I've copy for have gone into either the A, the apathetic or the thinking. So basically that will give me a great idea of how much copy do I have to write. Like a lot of people say, how long should sales copy be? Well, the length will be determined at what stage of, of the process they're in. And, and nowadays with today's internet, you don't have to be just one long piece of static sales letter. I mean, I wrote a, a white paper called the death of the sales letter. And what I meant by that was not the death of the actual sales process, but the death of the long scrolling web mm. copy, because I think that nowadays we, we, are, we are able to engage people more with video, with dynamic copy with uh, database-driven uh, personalization and all that stuff that we can put into, we can even do it on multiple steps, a landing page to a secondary sales page to a third final sales page, right? A funnel. So, so the oath formula is a really great way to determine how, how aware is your market about the problem? How aware are they about the solution or the fact that they want to solve it? How aware are they of your solution and how much are they hurting in order to buy your solution today? So that will determine how much education you have to do. Of course, if you're oblivious, now you really have to educate them. You have to really yeah, educate yeah. them on the fact that there, there is a problem mm. and here's why it's, it's, it's important. Then you, have, then you have to educate them on, on why solving is important. Then you have to educate them on uh, why your solution is better than the other solution out there. Mm. And then mm. the last one is, you know, sense of urgency, why you should buy my, my, my offer now, why you shouldn't procrastinate. Here's why, because if you wait more longer, you'll get X, Y, Z. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're choosing a market, then you want to go for the H's every time you can. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's either like a lot of times, a lot of young businesses when they want to make uh, uh, at least some easy money in the, in the beginning, um, go after hurting markets. That's the easiest way to do that. But then you can go into higher layers of that formula and then, then you can test out ways to bring him to the hurting process. So this is where you can either do it through a one single piece of sales letter or you can do it through a, an educational process. I mean, I've seen, I've seen uh, marketers launch videos, multiple videos, multiple stream, uh, steps in the, in the sales process where they take him from the O to the A to the teach and uh, the T and the H. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that at the very end, by the time they finish the you know three, four, five, six videos, at the, they're hurting. Wait, like, where's the buy button? Let me buy it now. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the uh, um, Jeff Walker's done a lot of uh, product launch stuff like that. Um, exactly. Uh, as well. So, um, and Andre Chaperone's another one who does uh, does the written written sort of written versions of that. Um, mm -hmm. whenever he launches something, so, uh, which is like once a year, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, um, yeah, the long form sales letter, uh, you know, I think there are better ways of going about it. Like, like what you just described. Yeah. It's still, it's still very good. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's completely gone. It's uh, just, Gora, you still uses them. It, well, and, and, and here's another thing too. 
Um, today, uh, for example, I'm writing copy right now for some very large enterprise level clients. Some of these guys and gals use tools like CRMs, like HubSpot and Salesforce. Yeah. And some of these create landing pages and processes that involve multiple emails throughout, like literally once they hit a landing page, they download a white paper or they watch an explainer or demo video or whatever the case is. Then they get emails and they get into a sequence. And if you do a phone call, then they're taken out of that sequence and they go into another sequence. And if they download some other piece of information, now they're, they're, they're gone from what we call a, uh, 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 an MQL, marketing qualified lead, to an SQL, a sales qualified lead. Yeah. Now they're much more qualified. So the, this process that we used to do in one sales letter, nowadays we can do it in multiple steps. We can do it in multiple uh, modalities. You can do it with video. We can do it with audio. Some people do it with podcasting like you're doing right now. Some people do it through training videos, webinars. Some people do it with a, a series of quizzes. Um, there's a, a, a career coach. Her name is GT O'Donnell. She, she has a website called Work It Daily. They offer a tons of quizzes. What's your, what's your career persona? What's your, what are your top skills and whatever? And basically, once you, you, you subscribe to these, these quizzes, when you go through these quizzes, then you're being thrown, taken through a sales process because mm. now you not just raised the hand, but now you're, you're taken from the, you know, the, the, in this case, the, uh, the uh, A to the T now to the H. You know? So it's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, how does that uh, corporate style copy differ from, you know, smaller internet business uh, that uh, a lot of people uh, are probably thinking of right now. Uh, is, do, are you using the same principles if you're if you're writing to sell somebody on a on a big package of a big corporate client, or um, is it so considerably different? No, I mean, it, what's the difference between a, a C-suite? Uh, business uh, CEO of a multinational corporation and yeah. an engineer from a laboratory to a small solopreneur and business person. What's the difference between three? It's just their titles. They're all three of them are mammals. <laughs> you know, um, they're, they're, uh, there's a famous uh, podcast that I like to listen to. His name is Brian Burns and his uh, podcast is called uh, The Truth About Selling and Sales. And he talks about mammal to mammal selling. Yeah. And I kind of I took that. I said, well, how about mammal to mammal marketing? It's kind of, you know, there's alliteration <laughs> in there. <laughs> but, but, he, uh, but it's what it is, what it is. Now, granted, the approach that you take to, to, to when, you, when you hit a lot of these uh, larger corporate clients, sometimes you, you, you can't sell to just one person. You have to sell to a group of stakeholders maybe a, a board of directors, maybe a purchasing agent, but he's not really, or she's not really the technical buyer. It's really the person in the back end using the product. And mm. then you have to not only, you not only have to sell that person, but you also have to sell the person who's going to actually use the product and say yay or nay. So, so the approach might be different, but it's still the same. It's still selling. Selling is selling. And, and it's still people, you know, we're all people, we're all human beings and, uh, it, that won't change whether you're an engineer or whether you're a single work at home mom. Yeah. Yeah. But so, some of these, uh, um, solopreneurs, uh, marketing gurus certainly have the, uh, 
the uh, uh, ego of, of, a, of a bigger business. <laughs> so that kind of makes up for it in a lot of cases, especially, <laughs> Maybe, when yeah. especially when they're calling the shots and they want you to write copy yesterday and it has to convert like gangbusters. So uh, that happens too. Oh yeah. I've been there many times, trust me. But that's why, <laughs> that's why I don't, I don't, I don't go after new clients anymore. They come to me a lot of times mm. and I can be very selective now. I can actually say yes or no. And if I see some of those red flags, I, I tend not to work with those clients because I, it's too stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth it. Uh, this is what uh, I'm uh, working on a lot in my career, you know, um, uh, turning down more work than, than I'm accepting. Oh, I know. It's, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and I think what helped me do that was initially when I first started out was specialization. Because of the fact that I focused on a particular niche, I was a copywriter who focused primarily on cosmetic surgeons. Then everything exploded after that to the point where I was able to turn down business. Uh, and I still do to this day. So, you know, I, I may have been in the game for 30 years, but I'm at a point now where, you know, as pardon my language, my, my English, but I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a good place. It's a good place to be in, you know, um, not, not having to take that work. Um, how does a, uh, how does a copywriter get to that stage where, um, <clears throat> like, uh, uh, when we're coming up, up, when we're coming up in the industries, you know, we, we want, So the trick, uh, I think, there is uh, being in a position where you can do so. Uh, but what are, what are some of those red flags uh, that you mentioned? What are some of the things that uh, that, uh, that that tell you, um, you know, I may not uh, like uh, this working relationship? Well, there, there's there's first of all in terms of of, of red flags here. Here's a, here's a uh, thing. Whenever I decided to focus on a very niche, very focused niche, and uh, I decided when I was ready to take on clients outside of that niche, but at the very beginning, when I did that, if I had clients that wanted to take me on that was outside of that niche, I, that's where I, that was a first red flag. That was kind of a red flag because yeah. I was, you know, I did not want to extend myself and I knew, and I knew that if I were to say yes, and I'm actually coming outside of my specialty in order to help this person, now this person has a little bit of power, you know, and I, I could be used for other things, or he says, or she said in their minds, if I can t get that person, that copywriter to do, you know, this, what else can I get that person to do, right? <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was one. I was, I was able to, to, to take on new clients and get out of my industry uh, over time, but I did it at my own. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I started out writing copy for doctors back in 91, 92, and I didn't have my own, and I created my own, my first website actually was for a client and back in 93 or 94, but I actually had my own website only in 97. So, because that's when I, I was able to go after a larger market, but that's when I, w I knew I was ready. Um, now, so talking about red flags. So I have uh, uh, a certain fee structure and I do ask for 100% of the fee upfront. Sometimes if I, uh, I work with a, a project that's quite elaborate, maybe not, I'll probably ask for at least half upfront 
25% after the first draft and then the other 25% after mm. the final draft. But, but very often, especially with an unknown client, uh, I do have uh, uh, 100% uh, upfront yeah. deposit. And that is a red flag if, the, if I feel they're not going to pay that, number yeah. one. Number two is I have a questionnaire. My questionnaire has 25 questions. It's the same questionnaire I've been using since the beginning of time. I'm joking. Of course, <laughs> no, it's the, <laughs> yeah, it, it is a questionnaire that I've been using since I started and or at least very close to when the one I, when I, when I first started. And here's the thing. There's two reasons why I love that questionnaire. The first reason is when clients fill it out, it answers a lot of questions that they have. And it really, it really helps them. A lot of people kind of come back to me and they say, Michelle, your questionnaire is such an eye opener for me. I really, I, <laughs> I, I realized certain things I didn't know about. So anyways, but that questionnaire is important for that reason. But the second reason is it's a qualification tool for me. If you're not willing to follow, like if you're not willing to fill out that questionnaire or let's say they do fill out the questionnaire, but they answer their questions, not really in the way I want them. Like they don't, they're not, yeah. they're not following my instructions. I yeah. give you an example. And one of my questions is list six common questions that your product has and what are the answers you give them? Very simple, right? I don't care if they do it themselves or if they get somebody else to do it. But sometimes I get a questionnaire, they either don't answer that question or they'll put in stuff that is not, you, you don't understand the point, right? To me, that tells me they don't value my, my services. They don't value my expertise. And that's a red flag. And I, I will fire sometimes clients if I don't get a fully filled out questionnaire before we start working together. So, mm. so those are the kind of mm. the most common ones, right? Um, and also, here's another thing. Uh, this is one of the most common ways that I write copy, especially if I don't have a, a junior copywriter to do a lot of the, the, the legwork for me, is I will have a conversation like this, like what we're having right now, and uh, I'll get it transcribed. But during that conversation, I want this, the, per, the business person or whoever I'm, I'm writing copy for to sell me on the product or service. And if I don't see passion, yeah. if I don't see that they're not, they don't believe in their own stuff, or if they can't get me to at least be interested enough in, in their story, even though I might not be qualified for their product or service, if you can't get me excited, <laughs> I can't transfer that excitement onto a piece of paper. Yeah, can't so, force it. Yeah, so, so that is also a great tool for two reasons. One is because when, they, when, they're, when they're excited and they're passionate, I, I can actually have my copy written for me, practically written for me, because then I get mm. it transcribed and I got huge chunks, you know, because they described the story behind the product. They, they told me about benefits. They use anecdotal evidence. Oh, you know, John Smith, who bought my product, did this, got this result, you know, great, fantastic. So, so the passion that they, that they express during that conversation can easily be used or can turn into copy. Now, the, the second reason is, that's where I see red flags. This is where I can find out if they're, if I'm actually working with somebody who doesn't really believe in their product, they're just getting a copywriter just to get that because they, it's not because they don't believe in copywriting. It's just, they don't believe their own product. Yeah. I, I would love to sell a product or service for somebody who believes in their product or service. I, I am not, uh, I'm not a tool. I'm a partner. And all copywriters should have that mindset. We're partners. We're there to help you build your business. We're there to help you build your sales, your revenue. 
And, and if, if they don't look at me as a partner and they don't look at, and especially if they don't look at their products and service as something that actually becomes, uh, you know, Brian Keefoyles, very famous copywriter said, copywriters are basically blessings in the people, in the lives of the people they're trying to sell products and services to. If you don't come across as being a blessing in their lives at that moment in time, when they're reading your copy, you're not doing your job as a copywriter. Well, for me, it's the same thing with a client. If you're not, if you're not expressing that with me, that you don't, you don't make me feel like this is a blessing in my life right now. If I'm a potential client, that's a big red flag, and that's something yeah. that uh, I will say probably no to, or I'll probably hand it off to a junior copywriter and then not, you know, not pay as much of put in my own passion as well into the product. But very often, I kind of not, I can say no for those projects. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be in that position where you don't have to take on any work if you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? A lot of times whenever they do hire me or they're looking at hiring me, I do research, but a lot of that research is not about their market. It's also about them. Do they have interviews about the product? Is there, are they, have, been, have they been on podcasts before? You know, and that's, that was easy, especially in the, uh, in the early days of internet marketing, because a lot of internet marketers were they were speakers on stage at internet marketing seminars. They had a lot of video courses, uh, podcasts, uh, webinars. Um, yeah. so, so I could see if they really do believe in their stuff. So that was a great way for me to determine if they're, if this is a true client or not. So, mm, mm. um, and, uh, um, going back to some of those, uh, those clients in the past, yeah. Um, who are some of your favorite uh, you know, internet marketing type of clients, small businesses and entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and, and uh, some fun projects that you did uh, with guys? You, uh, you mentioned Stephen Pierce, who I've seen mm -hmm. him speak. He's, a, he's quite a character and some of the other guys. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the Traffic Secrets project must have been really interesting too. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know why? Because some of these marketers they themselves are great salespeople and that's the reason why I love writing copy for people who know what they're talking about and they know how to sell because a lot of times knowing how to sell is not about selling per se it's the ability to know how to tell a great story yeah and and I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in, in something that I that I used to teach in college which was the mind doesn't think in direct terms it thinks in relative terms um, give you an example um, you know what's the difference between this mug and this pen and rather than saying it's their function you'll say oh one is to drink out of and the other one is to write with well yeah. you're not tell you're not telling me what the difference is you're kind of relating the difference by describing this and this what they do yeah yeah so so you're you're basically i'm saying this is what this one does and this is what this one do so hopefully you will get that it's their function but I'm not saying outright, right? So the, the point in saying that in copywriting is that's the power of telling stories. I love writing copy. That's why I kind of use the term story selling. It's something that I've learned from Gary Halbert is the, the, yeah. the, power, the power of telling a great story can make people feel emotionally what you're trying to convey because that's really what it's all about. Copywriting is about transferring the enthusiasm you have about your product into the mind and hearts of your prospect. Well, it's the same thing with these guys. When I saw Stephen Pierce on stage, when I saw, uh, um, here's, here's a great example. John Reese, whenever he sold Traffic Secrets, that course was primarily a recording of an, a, a two or three day event that he gave. 
Um, and it's called, yeah, I think it was called the uh, Increase Your Profits uh, Seminar or something like that. And in there, there was a video, and we put that video in the sales letter because it was such a great video. Yeah. It talks about, like, he's talking to a crowd of, of internet marketers, and these guys are all, a lot of them were millionaires. Why would you listen to a guy like John Reese? And this is, this is the power of telling a great story. So he took a cup, and he took a handful of pennies, and he says, this is what's, what's going on right now. And he throws in a few pennies, and many of them fall into the cup and say, you know when you're capturing leads or when you're selling clients online or when you're getting traffic to your website, this is what you're getting. Some of, the, some of you are probably very successful at what you're getting, but here's what you're not looking at or what you're forgetting. Then he takes this huge pitcher full of pennies and just throws that <laughs> and it just falls <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is what you're missing out on by not doing the proper things with your website or whatever it is. So that was a great analogy. And that's why I love, I love metaphors. I love analogies. I mean, look, look at all, um, all the biggest political movements. Look at all the, the, the religions. Many of them started out with, you know, the parables, with stories, with, with uh, uh, you know, metaphors, analogies, uh, similes. Mm. We use that mm. in very, in, in very often in, in, in copy, but we also do it in, in just when you sit down, you know, you're having a drink at, at a pub with a friend and you want to tell them on the latest movie you just saw. Well, guess what? You're telling the story about the movie you just saw. It's, it's the way we sell to each other. Well, copy is no different. And you can do that with a C-suite executive as much as you do with a solopreneur who works from home. So mm. they're, still, they're still the same person. They just have a different title, like you mentioned. Yep, yep, exactly. Because the thing is, if I tell a story to a C-suite, my approach might be different because maybe they're getting inundated with marketing messages and maybe also they're... Uh, they got gatekeepers. So you probably have to do it in such a way where you can get to the person. But once you do, and that's why a lot of these enterprise level sales processes use multi-layered, multi-step uh, uh, sales approaches, right? Once you get to the C-suite and they get their interest, and then you can tell, a lot of them tell stories. I've, I've read some sales letters that were meant for CEOs and CFOs, and they were just as much using metaphors as much as your standard internet mm. consume, you know, B2C copy. Um, of course, the, the approach is different, but the copy and, and the result, or not the result, but the, um, the intent is still the same. It is to connect with the audience. If you can connect with your CEO as much as you connect with a solopreneur, it, it, that's, you've, that's, that's the basis of all good copy is how, con how well you connect with your market. Mm -hmm. And if a, if, a, uh, if a freelancer listening to this podcast right now, if they wanted to go, after more of a uh, uh, corporate market, you know, maybe chasing a bigger paycheck, is that something that uh, uh, you would uh, advise? Uh, is, is it, uh, does it pay better? I mean, and is it, is it, uh, um, is it like abnormally difficult than going after a, a solopreneur? Well, there's, there's three things that, you, that I would say here. Um, the first thing is, to, as they say, fish where the fish swim. That, that's been a marketing uh, motto since the beginning of time. Well, it's no different. If you're going after C-suite executives, if you want to write copy for uh, enterprise level clients, you're not going to get them on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I love hanging out on LinkedIn a lot these days. LinkedIn is my favorite go-to place. There are a lot of uh, groups on LinkedIn. There are even executive groups. There are 
uh, CMOs and CFOs and CEOs and COOs and whatever. Um, and there's also a, 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 it's a great place for you to showcase your talent. When I first started out on copy, I had a, a, a copywriter's board, which was a discussion forum for copywriters. And it was a great way for me to showcase my talents. Yes, it was a location that people would congregate and critique each other's copy and all that. But it was also a great way for me to critique other people's copy or to rewrite some pieces of copy, knowing full well that potential clients are reading my stuff. And then they say, I want to hire Michael Ford. So that can be done on LinkedIn now just as much because on LinkedIn, there's groups. You can post, you can, can write articles. I, I, I barely put articles on my own blog these days. I, come, I kind of put them all on LinkedIn now. And those articles are shared and shared and shared. And guess what? I get calls from enterprise level companies that want to, to hire me. The mm. second thing is, the second thing is um, that very often you're appealing to multiple people in the buying process. You've got, like I said, you've got the emotional buyer, you've got the direct buyer, you've got the technical buyer. And so you, you, when you write a lot of these pieces or, or, or showcasing your talent, sometimes you don't do it towards the person you think is going to be the person signing the check. It might be the person using the product. It might be the purchasing agent. It might be various levels or middle management within the companies that you're going after. So sometimes the best way to do that is to write, like I, I write a lot of how-to and tip, tips-based articles that will appeal to those clients because then they read my stuff. A, they know my expertise. They see what kind of expertise I have. But then B, they, when, you know, it's creating top-of-mind awareness. When they come across a, a, a big job, like some of them will actually redo their website or they actually have this entire, some of these campaigns are multi-million dollar campaigns where they spend, uh, you know, two or three or $400,000 a month on Google AdWords, for example. They're going to say, hey, you know what? I saw this guy. He's a Google ads expert uh, or, you know, again, not a copywriter. He's a Google ads expert or whatever yeah. on LinkedIn. So, and, and, and that gets me a lot of business there too. And then the third is copywriting is just one notch in the package or in the marketing scheme of things. Uh, remember when I first started out, I wasn't a copywriter, I was a marketing consultant. Sometimes when you do that on the internet, it's the same idea or on LinkedIn or any, any location where a lot of these professionals hang out. Sometimes positioning yourself, it's all about positioning, positioning yourself as a marketing consultant or a marketing expert or a marketing communications specialist or technical writer whatever the case is yeah will position you better for the enterprise because the enterprise people they don't hire internet marketers they'll hire digital marketing specialists yeah they don't yeah. hire copywriters they'll hire marcom writers um so so and plus in the, in the big scheme of things sometimes marketing communications is only one part of a bigger package so sometimes your best bet is to become partners with people who handle other parts or other aspects of the marketing campaign, because on these enterprise level campaigns, we're not talking, you know, two or three people. We're talking maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe 12. That's why a lot of these companies or agencies deal with a lot of these large campaigns. If I'm launching a campaign for a multi-million dollar company and it's a, uh, it's a, two or three quarters long in length because it's, it's a long process. So you can start with a, you know, a huge audit and a study going through UX and UI and SEO and SEM. And then the next thing is 
you know, preparing a, an RFP, uh, and then and then part of that includes creating landing pages, creating the copy, creating the design, creating the multimedia, and then after that is writing all the social media campaigns, the awareness, you know, to create some 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 uh, earned media and so on and so forth. So, anyways, I'm I'm going I'm I'm stepping ahead of myself, but my point being is sometimes it's best just to align yourself with potential partners that offer bigger pieces of the uh, you know bigger camp packages that you can mm. be part of it so that you become the star copywriter um there's like for example uh there's a a, a an agency a, co a company that uh, that i know on uh, linkedin and they will deal with these larger types of industries and sometimes they'll they'll call me and they'll say would you like to do the copy on this campaign or this part po portion it's just a small i mean for me it's a sales letter and it's you know it's a long yeah, process yeah, yeah. But in the big scheme of things, that's a huge project. That's like over 200 hours, over two, two quarters, and it's it's you know, and the the price tag might be half a million dollars, but I only get a very small portion of that. But mm. that's a great way to kind of work in that industry, and sometimes to get your name out there, because sometimes some of these might include you know maintenance or or um, up, upgrades and up, you know updates. Uh, sometimes they see the kind of writing you do and then they say, oh, could you write some blog posts for me? Or can you do this? You know, can you write an email campaign for this other thing? And so anyways, those are the three things. I, I think that if you go and hang out on these, these places, if you position yourself and if you, you know, work with a team, sometimes aligning yourself with another team, that's, that's a great way to get these enterprise level clients. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been doing a, a bit myself as well. Uh, uh, working with other teams, you know, an agency will come along and, and uh, and ask if uh, if I could write some copy and and uh, they're they're hand picking the the people that they want to work on yep. the bigger campaigns. So, yep, exactly. Um, yeah, so that that's really that's really cool. And it's a great way to get into that get into that sort of bigger market, uh, writing these bigger pieces and uh, yeah. especially to get a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, consistent work. So um, here's a question that uh, that I used to ask. Uh, uh, a lot on this podcast. I've been very slack lately, um, uh, but I think that you um, uh, could have some insight to this. The question uh, used to be, uh, who is the, the weirdest or quirkiest copywriter or marketer that you've worked with over the years in the online space? Who's the weirdest and quirkiest copywriter? Or my copywriter or marketer depends who you're trying to think of. Well, I think I think that will always be forever and forevermore would be Gary Halbert. <laughs> he, <Yeah. was, laughs> he was the, the quirkiest and also the, 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 the most fun uh, to work with. Um, I love his storytelling style, but I've also loved his directness. Um, to me, he was kind of like the Joe Rogan of, of the copywriting world. Joe Rogan is known as a guy who's blunt and direct, but also comes yeah. across as, you know, I'm there to help you. Uh, I think what you believe in is silly, or I think that your opinion is wrong or whatever the case is, but I, you know, I love you, whatever. That's the, mm. that's kind of the approach that Gary Halbert had. And I love that about him because whenever something was being done, whether it's me, whether it's some of the colleagues that I worked with or some of the people that we were, uh, that we knew together, he'll tell me, or he'll tell them, you know, I, I, this is wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And, and, and here's why, but do it in such a way. And sometimes he'll do it through power of stories. He'll, yeah. he'll, t he'll tell a story to make his point, even though he's not directly telling you, he'll imply.
great copywriter and and I missed the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could have met him. Yeah, That's, a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. You, you want to hear something really funny? Yeah. That that interview I did with him back in two thousand and four was at the end of two thousand four. Was in November. Uh, the transcription is still online, and I still get to this day emails about that 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 tell that uh, interview being one of the best interviews they've ever heard on copywriting uh and i'm stoked i mean i just got one just like last week so that's we're 2019 so 15 years you know 15 <laughs> years have passed and it's still you know people like that that interview but that's that's the power of gary halbert yeah for sure for sure um so i really appreciate what you've uh, uh uh shared with us today it's really valuable that the templates and the and the uh, all the other advice so um, i'm You're very welcome. glad that, uh, that you were able to make this time for us and and Very welcome. Uh, um, uh, uh, it's well worth it. You are, are you are a genius in copywriting. So, what uh, um, what about people who want to uh, connect with you and and uh, and uh, sort of uh, see what you're doing? Well, the, the the like I said, the primary platform. I don't I don't market myself as much as I used to because I don't need to. Yeah. Um, but I do have a lot of people who follow me and connect with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is kind of my base now. Uh, I don't go on Facebook as much. Um, and I, I, when I do, I often do it for my clients, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you want to connect with me, you can go on LinkedIn. I believe it's linkedin.com forward slash I N forward slash Michelle Gee or Guy Fortin. So M I C H E L G U Y F O R T I N. So it's Michelle Gee or Guy Fortin. We say Gee in French, but it's Guy, you know, Michelle oh, Guy okay. Fortin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's because it's my full name, because whenever I first opened my LinkedIn account, my name was already taken. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> well, there's yeah. another Michelle Fortin out there. Yeah, exactly. It stole exactly. your name. It stole your I URL. Know. I know. Hey, well, there's actually a guy who does, he does coding. He's a, he's a big WordPress guy. Um, he's, um, his website is like michellef.com or something. But anyways, he uh, he's very very well known. He's actually uh, um, known as a, a top coder in the WordPress space. Um, so a lot of people say you're a writer. You're, do you write code? <laughs> no, no, that's the other guy. That's the other Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> different kind of very different kind of writing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, um, then I will put that uh, link up at the uh, geniusofcopywriting.com website. So go and check it out. Um, or you can just search for um, Michelle Guy Fortin uh, on LinkedIn and uh, uh, this handsome face should pop up. So um, uh, do that. But I'll put the link on the, on the, on the, on the website page as well. Um, so yeah, once again, I, I appreciate everything you shared with us. It's really uh, extremely valuable um, stuff that I, that I wish I knew when I was, when I was starting out, uh, even though, you had been around uh, for a year or two when I was starting out in 2003. Um, so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. It's, it's extremely valuable. And I can't wait to read back the transcripts and actually uh, um, uh, get some learnings out of that. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. All right. So we'll have to have you back on sometime. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. And you too. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.